Matthew chapter 17, and we're going to start with verse 14. And when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is lunatic and sore vexed. For oft times he falleth into the fire, and oft into the water. And I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, If ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. I want to preach a message out of verse 20 of Matthew chapter 17 with the subject, Nothing shall be impossible unto you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I put every person who hears this message into your hands. I pray that you will move upon their hearts and open their eyes that they may understand and see, that they may know that these words come from your spirit. And because they do, they have power behind them, power to redeem, power to change, power to save. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that all will believe when they hear these words and turn to you with faith and receive their needs. Father, I pray that you give us understanding of the word that you give us this morning. And we give you the praise. We give you the honor and glory in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Now this scene takes place right after Jesus, Peter, James, and John come down from the Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus told those three disciples, don't tell anybody what you saw or experienced on that mount until after I'm resurrected. So they had this on their mind already. But the scene includes the other disciples at the foot of the mountain, as they were descending, they come upon a scene where there's confusion, there's arguments, there's the old pointing of the finger with accusations, and then there are some people who innocently were there to receive something from God and were receiving nothing but disappointment. So when Jesus comes upon this scene, 
as the other writers of the gospel, they cover other points of this scene. He comes upon it and finds out that the, the lawyers, or the teachers of the law, it says, are arguing with, accusing, and demeaning the other disciples of Jesus because the lunatic son or the demon-possessed son of this man who needed deliverance did not receive deliverance when they prayed for him. Although we know that Jesus had already given his disciples the power to cast out demons, to lay hands on the sick and see them healed. We know that already happened. We know that they have this power, but there's still something they need to learn about it. And we can learn about it from them and their experience back then. We can apply what Jesus teaches them here to our own hearts and lives. And we can see God work in a greater way if we will just turn to him, learn the lessons he's trying to teach us, be obedient to his spirit, we will see the same kind of results. The promise in the word of God is, greater works shall ye do because I go to the Father. Basically saying, and I leave you the Holy Ghost. Greater works shall ye do. I'm looking for those greater works. I hope you're looking for those greater works. Because no time in our day and age have we seen the power of God manifest to any great degree or in, with any consistency. But we're coming upon a time which is described in the Old Testament and New as the outpouring of the latter days the latter-day outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We're easily moving in that direction right now, and I believe we are quickly moving in that direction. What kind of gets me a little bit here is something we got to understand about the church atmosphere, not just local, but worldwide. We have two factions these teachers of the law, who are supposed to know the Word of God, and the disciples, who should be having faith, already healing people by the power of God, already casting out demons, and both groups are going to learn something just like we are going to see God deal with the church today. Both groups will learn something. I think in these last days... The Pentecostal church stands in the position of those nine disciples of Jesus Christ. The same on that day, we look like this day. We appear in the same position where those who say, Oh, you say that you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. You say that the Holy Spirit heals today. You say that the works of God are done by the church today. Where are the works? Most in, in Christendom have decided that they will just not ask God anymore because they don't see anything happen when they do. 
It's just an exercise of futility. It's just not worth their time. So you don't see people laying hands on people in the altars. You don't see people being healed by the power of God most places in the church today. I believe we got a whole lot of teachers of the law out there in various churches. Nobody that really knows what they're doing. And I even believe we got true Pentecostals out there who are tongue-speaking and Bible-believing, but seeing very little done by the power of God. Of course, if you're truly a child of God and you're truly Pentecostal, you'll want to see this happen. But what you don't want to see is that the churches who have not e they're not even trying to believe anymore have settled for religion, but they're mocking you. All this talk about ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost come upon you and, and the Pentecostal church has no more power and has settled just as much for religion in these last days. That's about ready to change. If it has to change by starting right here in this little church, then let it start today. What am I saying? Well, this is kind of strange that the teachers of the law who are supposed to know the Word of God should be doing the work of God and seeing the work of God done through their ministries are mocking the disciples of Christ when they don't have any more power than the disciples of Christ. Actually, the disciples of Christ do have more power that, but they don't have a total understanding of that power. They do have the power of God. Anyone baptized in the Holy Spirit has the power of God, but does not necessarily see the power of God manifest. We're talking about seeing the power of God manifest, and this is starting now. This is starting now, but it will only include those people who truly want to see God work in their lives, who truly want to see the power of God manifested to the church, to the lost, to the unredeemed, to the sick, to those in bondage under the power of Satan. It's time, it's the day and age, as they keep saying, in this day and age, when this day and age there have been promises given that God will pour out his spirit. It's time he starts pouring it out, right? He's trying to, but he's looking for somebody who will have faith, willing to give up everything to get more. And God's going to be dealing with us as individuals. And then bringing us together collectively, which you're going to see in days to come now. Bringing us together collectively, where the church has mocked so long that you're no different than we are, just as these, these teachers of the law are pointing fingers at the disciples of Christ. You're no different than we are. You couldn't cast a demon spirit out of that young man, just like we can't. Well, then don't mock the disciples of Christ because you can't either. But also don't say you're the same 
when they're following Jesus and you're not. You, you as believers, spirit-filled believers, may not know everything. None of us do. But we got someone with us that does. He walks with us. He talks through us. He acts through us when we yield our lives to him. That's the Holy Spirit sent to us from heaven on, on high with the power of God to do what Jesus did. Actually, to do what Jesus is doing. Because without him, you can't do anything. So here are the mockers, not in any better position than the people that they mock. So they're walking in hypocrisy. And Jesus says that they're a faithless and perverse generation. So he's pointing out their hypocrisy. Let me tell you a little bit about that. Most people don't want to go to a church that points out their hypocrisy. And, and it, it's not necessarily the preacher looks at you and tells you you're a hypocrite because of this or that. No, it's the Holy Spirit that's doing it. People even know what day is not to come. They can sense it in their spirit. Yeah, I ain't going there today. Because they know what's coming. They can sense it. And many will say, well, you stepped on my toes. Well, then I did my job. I got my toes stepped on. I get it stepped on almost every day. Nope, that ain't the way I wanted it done. Oh. My bad. Yeah, when it's wrong, it's always my bad. When it's wrong, it's always your bad too. Don't you you don't you can't point fingers at me alone. We're all in the same boat. But is Jesus in the boat with you? We're to look to God for everything, right? We're to point everyone else to God as well. And we are to stand in a gap to intercess for those people who have needs like this demon possessed boy. We're to stand in the gap. His disciples were trying to stand in a gap. At least they were trying to stand in a gap. I bet none of those pre preachers or teachers of the law even prayed for the young boy. At least the disciples tried. When Jesus comes upon this scene, he already knows this is going to happen. Just looking and watching the people argue, mock, people crying, other people just curious. The same kind of people that you're going to lead to Christ. You can't be just curious anymore. You're going to be touched by the Holy Spirit. The Lord told me this this morning. He says, if they're supposed to be there and they're not there, pray for them because things have changed. I guess I've got to let it out. Things have changed in the spiritual realm. If a person's supposed to be there and they're not, whether it's the religious crowd or true believers, now the Lord's going to be dealing with them. 
through chastisement and judgment if they don't bend to his will. In other words, people can ignore you now, but they, or they could before, but they can't now. What do I mean? If a person's supposed to be where, the, where God wants them to be and they're not, all you do is pray and heavy Holy Ghost conviction falls upon them. Then if they reject it, Holy Ghost chastisement comes upon them. Then if they reject that, Holy Ghost judgment will fall upon them. Things have changed. No more just walking away. No more ignoring God. Because when you're walking away, we're going to pray for you. And your attempt to ignore what God told you in the past won't work now and in the future. I am telling you, the hardest cases, nothing is impossible with God and nothing is impossible unto you as a child of God filled with the Spirit of God. Nothing. I want you in these altars when we have an altar call today. I don't want you to bring the problem to the Lord that, you know, you need another $50 to pay your electric bill. Put that one aside for now. I don't want you in the altar saying, Lord, pray for my ingrown toenail. It hurts. No. I want you today to bring the toughest case you can think of. I want you to take the hardest thing that you've ever faced. I want you to bring the most debilitating situation you ever experienced into these altars today and give it to God and know that his word is true. There is nothing he can't do. Nothing's impossible to God. If we have faith and we pray. And I'll say it this way, if we pray with faith. Okay? If we pray with faith. One of the most deficient of all Christian disciplines. I don't even like calling it a discipline, but I will in this case. And I, I'm calling it a discipline because we should be disciplined to pray all the time, and we're not. We should stay in the presence of God through prayer, in the Word, or worship. We should stay in the presence of God at all times. Easier said than done, right? Actually, it, it is actually easier to do it than not to do it, but we must be attentive to doing it to see it done, okay? One of the most deficient parts of a person's faith, which may be a better way to say it, because discipline means you're doing it because you have to do it. We should be believers and want to pray all the time. And if our faith is that deficient that we don't want to pray all the time, that's what we should be praying Lord, build my faith. And that's what I want to do today. Well, you're coming down pretty hard. Uh, well, Jesus came down pretty hard on the religious crowd that day too. And he even came down on his own disciples. At least they had the sense to say, what can we do different? 
How come we could not cast him out? Because when Jesus said it, he cast him out. But they actually got the benefit of watching, if you read the other accounts of this, the other information inserted into this situation, this story, is the man, the father of the young boy that's demon-possessed, comes to Jesus and, and asks him to help my unbelief, and then he says, I believe. Do you believe I can do this? And then the father went from doubting to believing. Yeah, I'm not asking if, now I'm asking to. That's how it changed. He first said, if you can do anything, if. And then he asked him to do it. And what you need in your life is the faith to ask God to do something, not ask if he can do something. Because right now I'm telling you, the if must be out of your thinking, out of your heart, out of your thoughts, because the if is nothing but doubt and unbelief. The if is, I don't know if this is possible for God to do. Yeah, try to get answers to prayer that way. Let me know if it happens for you. I'll be waiting. I'm not holding my breath, though. But we're asking God to do something because we know he can do it. We ask him because we know he can We know he can. And the Lord actually wants you to believe that he can do it when you ask him. But he wants to build your faith while you're asking him to believe that he will do it. Going from you can do it to you will do it. And have the faith God's going to do this. When we prayed for Mr. Nepper, when we prayed for him, I considered it done. It's been taking two weeks, but every time I see him in the last two weeks, his health has improved more and more and more. And God's not done yet. The Lord's not finished with that work as the Lord's not finished with you and I. So the disciples have some sense here. They didn't walk away and go, well, it doesn't work. Praying doesn't work. They basically said, why couldn't we do it? And right now, I believe that's the question that the church worldwide should be asking God. Why couldn't we do it? Why can we not duplicate the powerful works that you did in your ministry when you said, greater works shall we do? Why are we not duplicating the ministry of Jesus, the ministry of the early church? The ministry of the early church, which is a former reign, is not nearly as powerful as that which is coming in the latter reign. The former reign, believe it or not, thousands of people getting saved in one meeting. And really saved, by the way. Will not match what God is going to do in these last days. 
And all the Lord is looking for right now are disciples that are ready to listen and to learn, ready to receive and do what Jesus did. Nothing shall be impossible unto you. And we got to believe that it's nothing. Take the hardest case. You know what the hardest cases are? The hard heads. Trying to convince somebody that they need Jesus when they're suffering, but they won't come to him. Trying to convince somebody they need to be in church, at least in a church where the word of God builds their faith. In church where they don't only learn about God, but they begin to experience him. In church where they can grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. In church, where God tells you that's where things will be done. In his body and through his body, he is ready to pour out his spirit in these last days. Are you ready and willing to do it? Now, Jesus says something here. Why couldn't we cast him out? And what did they say? He says, how be it this kind goeth out not but by prayer and fasting. Do you know what? That makes a direct connection between fasting and faith. Between prayer and faith. Remember, the subject is faith. Why couldn't we do it? He says, you perverse and faithless generation why couldn't we do it? Because you didn't have the faith that you were supposed to have. Why didn't we have the faith that we were supposed to have? And here it comes. First of all, they weren't believing everything God said. Faith cometh by hearing what God says, basically. And hearing by the word of God. It's all in the word. Okay? So they weren't believing everything that the word said. Number two, we now see that prayer has everything to do with your faith. And if you're fasting in prayer to receive faith, that's where your faith is built. That is when it all comes together. You believe what God says, you get on your knees, and you don't get up until you get what you're asking for. And what you need more than anything else is a change in your own life before you start looking to see a change in somebody else's. The toughest case is our own hard heads. God's ready to do something. You know, sometimes that's what it takes. I, I've seen this before. They used to call this way back when, when these tent meetings used to go across this nation. And they kind of demeaned the preachers that preached Hell, fire, and brimstone. Well, that's what the preachers are going to preach in these days if that's what it takes to move a person to come back to God. If it moves a person to seek God. Listen, he says that we are to seek for righteousness, hunger for righteousness, which means we are to seek in fasting and prayer and in the word. We are to seek to be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ and conformed 
to the will of God for our lives. Transformed. Conformed. That's what we're here for. That's why you should go to church. It's not to meet other singles. You do that on your own. You don't need church to meet other singles. It's not to join the aged group of the knowledgeable, the wisdom of the elders. It's not, that's, it's, it's not to join groups. It's to be changed into the image of Jesus Christ. Guess what? If you come for the right reason, you get the right thing. You come for the wrong reason, you get what you came for, but you won't get the right thing. God says, whatever he wants you to do, he can do it. Whatever you need him to do, he can do it. There's nothing that's impossible for God. And you, transformed into the image of Jesus Christ, will find out there's nothing too impossible for God to do in you and through you. It's time. God is a calling. He's sitting on his throne, and that trumpet is blowing right now. Come unto me, all ye that labor are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Basically, he's telling you, you won't have to work for anything. Just come get it. Come get righteousness. Come get power. Come get healing. Come get blessing. Come be delivered. Come get sanctification and justification. Come unto me, a person. And you'll find a, a, the type of rest where you don't have to try anything. You just believe and God starts pouring it out it, in you and through you. That's what we need. That's what you need. That's what we need. The whole church needs it and God is now offering it. Who's coming to receive? Who is willing to get, see this, this prayer and fasting thing, the fasting part of it is giving up anything that stands in your way of being transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. Anything that hurts you growing in grace and knowledge and faith. Anything. Ready to give it up today. Ready to give it up in these altars today. If it's standing in the way, it's got to go. That's the fasting part of it. It's not just not eating. There's great benefit of fasting food for your body but fasting food also brings great benefit for your heart your spirit it oh, while you're fasting and praying your eyes are opened up fasting and praying is one of the most effective ways combine that with the word of god as we said meditate on the word day and night Combine those two things together and guess what you got? You got faith. You've got the faith that does things. You've got the kind of faith that will do the impossible with that. Cast that mountain into the sea. But that's only after. You give up everything. Make your single purpose to do what God wants done. And don't look back. Leave behind you the things that have hindered you to this point, and God's calling you to do so today. Get on your knees. You don't need to eat food. Get on your knees. 
Forget the meal times because the more important thing that you need is bread from heaven. Faith in Christ. You need to consume Christ. Forget the other stuff. Your body will last a long fast. But fasting and praying will build your faith. It will build your faith to the point you can do anything and everything under the power of God. You need that faith. Bow your heads and close your eyes right now. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for everyone who has heard these words this morning. I pray for the heart to be open, receptive to your word, and I pray for the heart to believe it and receive it in Jesus' name. Father, everybody has to give up something because nobody's perfect. Let us find those things that need to be eliminated from our lives here in these altars as we come forward and bow and pray. Let us not give up. Let us learn to fast and pray, to meditate on his word, so that while we're doing those things, God is pouring us into us his faith to do what he did. Father, I pray that for everyone who hears today, open their hearts, bring them in. Open their hearts, Lord, and give them that power of your spirit to cast out demon spirits, lay hands on the sick and heal them, to do your works, till you come and get us, Lord. That's what I pray for everyone who hears this message. And Father, I pray every heart in this place says, Lord, I want to be where you want me to be. Every moment of every day, I'll look to you to find out where, where that is. And Lord, make my heart obedient to that heavenly vision. In Jesus' name, amen. The altars are open. Come receive of God today his righteousness, his holiness, and his power.